Welcome to United. My name is Ryan. I am excited to be here. I'm having a great weekend. It's cold outside, which I know y'all don't like, but I like. And uh, um, I went on a great date last night with my wife, and we went. And, and I'm really excited because Kraft Pizza is back to regular Al's Pizza, which is amen, amen, hallelujah. Um, my flag football team came back from a two-touchdown deficit yesterday in the playoffs, so I'm just feeling good. I'm ready to be here, ready to preach. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm not feeling the excitement. Are you excited? Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. We're in week two of a, of a, of a series called Stories, where we look at the stories that Jesus told um, his followers. And, uh, and as, as Cole talked about last week, a parable is simply this. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus lived in a time where most people could not read or write. And furthermore, there were not books. There was no such thing as books. Everything was written on scrolls, and scrolls are very um, rare uh, at that time. They weren't like books where there's millions of copies. Um, And so the best way to teach was to tell stories. The best way to spread a teaching and, and have people be able to share it with other people was to share a story, because if I give you a bunch of facts, it's hard for you to go tell someone else all those facts. But if I tell you a story, it's very easy for you to go share that story with someone else. And so Jesus would use parables, would use parables um, and stories to to share what God was like. And so we're going to look at another one of his stories tonight from the from the book of Matthew, chapter eighteen. Let's pray together, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. I pray that right now that the Holy Spirit would speak to each of us, that you would take words on a page, a story that you told halfway around the world 2,000 years ago, and that you would make it real to us today, that you would speak into the hearts and lives and to the, uh, to the minds and the souls of every single person in this room, that it wouldn't be um, my words, but it would be your words through your story. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew 18. Verse 21, we'll have it on the screen, but if you have your Bible, you can open up to that. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter, Peter's like uh, Jesus BFF, he comes to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And, and we'll stop there for a second. God, um, the, 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 the rabbis and the teachers of the law at that time um, believed that we as humans had to forgive other people three times. And the reason why they thought this was in the Old Testament book of Amos, um, it talked about how God forgave the enemies of Israel three times. And so um, everybody kind of went along with this thinking of, okay, you, you forgive someone once, you forgive them again, you forgive them again, and then you're off the hook. And so Peter knows this. And so Peter's gonna kind of like suck up to Jesus as he usually did. And he says, should I forgive seven times? And he's thinking, okay, I'm going to get a lot of brownie points for this. Everyone's going to be so impressed at how holy I am because I just offered seven times of forgiveness. And here was the thing. People were coming to Jesus, and they were kind of, um, with this whole times thing, like three times, seven times, they were kind of being legalistic. Like they were like, what do I have to do, and then I can be off the hook? Like how many times do I have to forgive, and then it'll just be over, and I don't have to forgive them anymore. And Jesus never really responded well to these kind of questions. He still doesn't respond well to these kind of questions. When you go to him and you're like, ah, well, how much do I need to give? How much do I need to serve? How much do I need to invite? How much do I need to forgive? How much, how much, how much? When we're trying to get like the, the bare minimum, Jesus always answers with something above and beyond. And he would always give us, um, he wouldn't let us off the hook. He wouldn't be like, okay, 10 times. He would always say something higher and higher. He would, he would say, what more can you give to the Lord. 
And so he answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now that 77 is a, is a, is a um, maybe an incorrect uh, interpretation of the language. What he was really saying was 70 times seven. Any math majors in here? What's 70 times seven? Fletcher student. <laughs> 70 times seven, 490, 490. So what Jesus is not saying is um, that 490, like on that 490th time, like you keep track and you're doing tally marks. And then on that 490th time, it's like, okay, finally, I don't have to forgive you anymore. What he meant by this, when he said this to, to, to Peter, is he was saying, really forgiveness never ends. You're never off the hook. You just keep on Forgiving, And it wasn't enough to just tell them that. He wanted to share a story, and he continued. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. He's going he's to take a story, and he's going to show us what heaven is like, what God is like. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, 10,000 bags of gold, you could also say 10,000 talents, which was a, a, a measurement of money at the time. 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. So this man is brought before him. And the whole deal is that they're going to figure out how to settle this debt, how he's going to pay it back. But, but I want to make sure we read the Bible sometimes and it's like, oh, yeah, 10,000 bags of gold. Okay, like whatever. And we just kind of think like we, we don't think in terms of realistic numbers. And so I want to give us a realistic number. So what a talent was, a talent was equal to 20 years, 20 years of a day laborer's wage. And so a guy that would go out and work in the fields every single day for 20 years, a talent was about what he would end up with. And so we're going to, kind of like we did last week, we're going to kind of look at this in modern day terms. So the, the minimum wage in Florida right now is $8.25. At the time, they would work about 12 hours a day. So 8.25 times 12 is 99. So we'll say $100 a day. And they would work probably six days a week, but we work usually five days a week. So we'll say 100 times five, $100 a day times five days a week. And we'll say times 50 weeks a year. I know there's 52 weeks, but we'll give them two weeks of vacation. Although I don't really think they had paid time off at the time. And so $100 a day times five days a week times 50 weeks is $25,000 a year. $25,000 a year is what a day laborer would make today. Per year, But remember, a talent is 20 years of wages. And so 25,000 times 20 is half a million dollars, $500,000. But again, we, we don't just stop there because that's one bag of gold. This man owed 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents to the king. So 500,000 times 10,000 is five. Billion. We, we're missing a zero there, but that's okay. Five billion dollars is what was owed to the king. Now, I don't even understand how you could get this much in debt. Like, if you get, take out a small business loan today, it might be like $50,000, $100,000, or something like that. Even if you're starting like this mega company, you might get investors. If you watch like Shark Tank or something, you might get investors of like $5 million or $10 million or whatever. But like $5 billion, like I can't even imagine what this man possibly could have done with $5 billion. And he obviously doesn't have it because he's coming to settle accounts. So how did he get $5 billion in debt? What did he spend $5 billion on? Like, this is insane. Just to, just to give you a little bit of, of context about what $5 billion could buy you today is you could buy the Jacksonville Jaguars twice 
and still have $1 billion left over. You can buy the uh, two NFL pro teams and still have a billion dollars left over. You could also buy a Boeing 757 jet. And anytime you've flown on, a, on like Delta Airlines or Southwest, this is probably what you flew on. So this would be like your own personal Boeing 757. But you wouldn't just get one. You wouldn't just get five. You wouldn't just get 10. You would be able to buy 50 Boeing 757. So you'd like hand them out like candy. Like, you, you did good today, waiter. Take one of my jets. Uh, Mom... I love you. Thanks for, thanks for the birthday present when I was five. Take a jet. Hey, teacher, end of the year gift, take a jet. And you just give them away like you're Oprah. Like you just give them away to everybody because you're loaded. My favorite unit of measurement is Chick-fil-A. So you could buy 625 million Chick-fil-A number two spicy chicken sandwich meals. That would be enough to feed every single person in the United States of America twice, twice. So that, that's a lot of chicken. $5 billion is what this man owes. So he's brought before this man, the courts around, all of his governors, his accountants are there. The king says, all right, you owe me. <clears throat> and they bring him in. Verse 25, since he was not able to pay, obviously he didn't have $5 billion. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered, the king ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, now what would happen is, okay, we're not gonna get the money back from you. So we're just gonna sell all of you into slavery sell your house, sell your stuff, sell everything you have, and we'll just cut our losses and at least get something back. Although it only would have been really a, a, just a small percentage of what the king was owed by this man. And so this man realizes, like, my life is over. My kids are about to be sold into slavery. I'm gonna be ripped apart from my family. My life is finished. I will be in jail or be in slavery for the rest of my life. And so he falls to his knees before the king. Imagine the scene. Everybody's there. He owes all this money, and the king's like, all right, just sell him. Go get his family. Sell him on to slavery. And imagine he, he, he starts shaking. Tears are coming down his face. He falls to his knees, and he begins to beg the king. He begs the king, be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. Now, it's very important that we, we understand something about this statement that he just made. He was lying. He was lying straight to the king's face, which is not a person you want to lie to. He could not pay back this money. He had no means to pay back $5 billion. There's no way that he could have ever worked hard enough, won enough lotteries, done enough, gotten enough promotions to ever pay back even like, even just a decent percentage, even like 10% of what he owed. He was never gonna be able to pay this king back. And the king knew it. Everybody in the room knew it. They all knew this man's lying to the king's face. We know he can't pay him back. They, they might have laughed at him as he said it. But in verse 27, we see what the king does. The servant's master took pity on him. This, this Greek word for pity is a word that, that talks about compassion. But, but it's more than just compassion. It's like, um, it, it actually means that like your guts, like your bowels reach out to the person. I know that sounds weird, but, but, but have you ever had that feeling like we're like everything in you just like wants something, like everything in you um, um, wants a, a certain relationship or wants a certain thing or, or feels love towards a, a pet or a family member or a friend, like everything in you. He, he had this compassion that was like his entire being was like reaching out to this man. Like he was feeling what this man was feeling. Like he could, he could relate to him. Like he was, he was so compassionate and filled with compassion for this man. And he started to realize, oh, I don't want to ruin this guy's life. I, I have compassion for him. 
So he has compassion on him, and he canceled the debt and let him go. Now, remember, this is, a, this is a earthly story reflecting a heavenly meaning. Now, if you haven't caught on yet, the king represents God. And what Jesus is saying about God is that God is reckless. God is reckless in the amount that he forgives us. A lot of us uh, across the country and definitely in this church have been singing this song called Reckless Love. And there's even some people that they say, Oh, well, well, that's bad. You can't call God reckless. Well, what do you call this? Because Jesus said, my heavenly father is like this king that forgives a debt that is massive and just forgives it. Imagine the scene when the accountant hears the king say, okay, go on, you're fine, you're free. Uh, king, king, sorry. I've been, I've been running the numbers. Like, this isn't just like any kind of debt, king. Like, this is by an army, Money. This is build 10 cities money. Like this is the kind of money that will change our kingdom. It doesn't matter how rich you are. $5 billion is a lot of money, king, and we need this money. We can't just forgive this debt. Everybody in the room would have scoffed at the king and said, you're foolish. You're reckless. You're stupid. Why would you do that? Why would you forgive him? He owes you so much. You need to get back what he owes you. And Jesus is saying about God that God is reckless in the amount that he forgives us. And imagine the joy of this man. He hears these words, and for a second maybe he's like, what did he say? Like, I can go? I can leave? I can go back to my family? Like, this, this, this weight that has been on my shoulders, I knew I had to pay him back. I knew he was gonna call me in. I knew my life was gonna be over. It's gone. I, I'm free. I, I no longer have to worry about it. I don't have to pay him back. I can go back to work. I can save up money. I can spend money. My family is going to be free for the rest of their lives. Like, I can see my grandchildren. Like, everything's going to be okay. I'm sure like, as he walked home, it felt like it was a dream. Like, it felt like he was free. He's just like, he's walking and he's like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this. And, and you can could, could imagine he's crying tears of joy and he's so excited to have been forgiven, to have that burden lifted, to have his life changed. And then Jesus continues in verse 28, but, but when that servant went out on the way home, he's just had this life changing experience. And on the way home, listen to what happens. He found one of his fellow servants, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, not one of his, not one of his servants, like he was a servant to the king, but just one of his friends, a coworker. And this man owed him 100 silver coins. Now, a silver coin would be about a day's wage. So you take that same number, $100 per day, and you multiply it by 100, and this man owed him $10,000. Not a small chunk of change. He could buy a car with $10,000. He could buy, put a down payment on a house. He, he could do a lot with $10,000. He could go on some great vacations with $10,000. He could live it up for about, I don't know, six months with $10,000. Like He could enjoy Life, So it, it mattered. It was, it was substantial, but compared to $5 billion, I mean, it's like, it's not even worthwhile. So anyway, he's on the way home. He sees his fellow servant, and he didn't say, hey, man, come here. Hey, I know ah, it's been tough lately, the economy, and, you know, we're just servants, but, you, owe, you know, you owe me the $10,000. Can we get on a payment plan or something? No, he goes up to the man, and he grabs him, and he began to choke him. And the Bible says he demanded, so he's yelling at this man in the middle of the marketplace, pay back what you owe me. Everybody sees him. No doubt everybody at this point has heard about what the king's done. 
he, he forgave him five billion, ten thousand bags of gold. What? There he is right there. Man, he is so lucky. And then they see him. Go up to someone. Grab the man around the neck. The guy is getting choked out. He falls to his knees. And listen to what he says in verse 21. He begs him, be patient with me. And I will pay it back. Notice the language. He uses the exact same words that homeboy just used with the king. He says the exact same thing. He falls to his knees. He says, be patient and I will pay it back. And guess what? He was actually telling the truth. He could pay back $10,000 eventually. He was actually saying something that could possibly happen one day. But he refused, verse 30. Instead, he went off and he had the man, his neighbor, his friend, his coworker, thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, the other servants, the people in town, they saw this and like, can you, believe what, can you believe what he's doing? Can you believe what old Joe just did to Bobby? Like he, he's choking him out and he threw him into prison for $10,000 and he just got forgiven $5 billion. What is going on? These people that were watching, the neighbors and the other workers and the other servants saw what happened and they were outraged. And then they went and they told their master, the king, everything that had happened. Uh-oh, this is, this is trouble. This is trouble for the guy that just got forgiven. And so the king calls this man back into his court. And when he gets there, he says, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Not because you deserved it. Not because... Maybe one day you'd pay me back. Not because you told me the truth. I, pay, I canceled that debt because you begged. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Shouldn't you have forgiven the debt of the man who came to you and begged with the same words that you just used? And in anger, the master, the king, handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Now, this, this idea of being handed off to the jailers, it wasn't that he was going to be executed. It wasn't that he was going to be tortured to death. It was that he was going to be severely disciplined until he could figure out how to be more forgiving and how to be more merciful towards other people. The king understood something. He was never going to get his money back, but he was going to teach this man what mercy and grace and forgiveness meant. And then think about it. Jesus turns to the crowd. He's told this story. All his followers are there. And they're probably outraged too. I can't believe that. You can, you can hear the murmur in the crowd. Like, can you believe that story? Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. And Jesus says, guess what, guys? Guess what, ladies? Guess what, little children? This guy is you. And he gives them the teaching in verse 35. Turns to the crowd. He says this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Those three words are very important. 
from your heart. See, see, Jesus understood it's easy to say, oh, I forgive you. Ah, no big deal. It's easy to say something like that, but it's a lot harder to do it from your heart. Jesus understood that the heart was the issue. He understood that if we don't actually do it from the heart, if we don't forgive for real, our lives, our lives will have a weight on them, a burden on them. Because here's the truth. Unforgiveness burdens you more than it burdens the other person. It's like walking around in life with a weight on your shoulders. Because a lot of times, here's what we think. Well, you know, if I'm mean to them, if I won't forgive them, guess what? Guess what? They will feel that, and they'll be sorry. And I'll get back what they did to me. But the truth is, unforgiveness burdens us more than it burdens the other person. A lot of times, the other person doesn't even know. And we're walking around with this weight, with this weight on us. And every day, every time we hear their name, there's a weight on us. Every time we think about them, there's a weight on us. Every time we make eye contact with them or see them at school or see them at work, there is a weight on us. And Jesus is telling us, like he tells us all the time, he's like, guys, 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 I'm teaching you this to protect you. I don't want you to live life with a burden on your shoulders that you don't need to have. All you must do is forgive to let go of the burden. In college, I was, uh, I was dating this girl, and, um, and, and, um, and we broke up, and we had been dating for a while, and I, I mean, at the time, I thought it was pretty serious, and, um, and we broke up, and it was like, all right, I, you know, this isn't the best thing. I didn't want to break up, but you know, it, it is what it is, and, and so I kind of moved on. I went back to school, um, and, and I was a sophomore in college, and then I remember hearing I still remember the night that, I, that one of my friends told me what had happened. They said, they said, oh, so-and-so's dating somebody new. And this was two weeks later. And now, now I was devastated. The breakup was, ah, you know, you always have hope. Maybe we'll get back together sometime, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but, then, but, then, but then I found out she was in another relationship with another guy right after we broke up. And I was devastated. And I was angry. And I was bitter. And I, I, couldn't say, I can say, I, I can say, looking back, I hated her. Like, I hated her. I was like, she is going to pay for what she's done. I remember that night, like, like my friend, one of my best friends, coming over and sleeping on my floor because of how upset I was. Like, that's, that's the kind of unforgiveness that was in me. And I'll tell you, I didn't speak to her for eight months. I'd walk past her, not even look her in the eyes. I'd be at church and I couldn't even focus on the sermon or focus on worship if she was in the room because I was so angry. I was carrying around this burden everywhere I went. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can relate to, to having this, this weight of unforgiveness on you. And I remember finally, eight months later, uh, we're in Jamaica on a mission trip. And, and, and again, I'm still carrying around this weight. And, um, and I saw these two kids, and they were arguing at kids' camp, and, um, and, and finally I'm, I'm like, come over here, and, and I'm like talking to them. I'm trying to like break them apart from fighting each other, and I, and I say, hey, guys, say you're sorry. Forgive each other. And I remember at that moment the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, how are you going to tell these little kids to forgive each other when you're not willing to forgive and I was like, oh, no, 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 Holy Spirit, that, that's a different situation. That's different. Yeah, they're, they're just fighting. This is, this is a big deal. She owes 
me. I remember God kept pushing me. The Holy Spirit kept pushing me throughout that week. You need to forgive. You need to forgive. Ryan, it's time. It's time. It's time. And I remember the last night we were, we were washing feet. And, 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 I, and I still, and God was speaking to me, you need to forgive. You need to forgive. You need to forgive. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then I see her get up and I see her approaching me. And, and, then I, and then all of a sudden I get all prideful and arrogant and self-righteous. And then I stand up. You know, one of those things. Oh, I'll do this first. I'm going to wash her feet and forgive her first before she can come over to me. So she comes over and, and, and I just remember as we wash each other's feet and, as, and without words, there was nothing said. I remember this, this weight being lifted from my shoulders. And, and it's incredible. Like it's, it's something I've never experienced ever before. Literally, the anger was gone. Like, I had forgiven her from the heart. It was no longer, before I had said, yeah, I forgive her. And my friends would be like, no, you haven't. No, no, you're bitter, Ryan. No, you're still angry. And I'd be like, no, 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 man. Shut up, man. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know me. And then I realized at that moment, in Jamaica, they were right. God was right. I was carrying around a burden. And it was time to let it go. And through God's power, I remember looking at her instantly, like this. The hate was gone. The anger was gone. I could truly say I had forgiven her. I was not, I knew what she had done, but it didn't matter to me anymore. And I remember from that day forward, the burden was gone. I no longer wanted her to pay me back. And that night I learned something about forgiveness. I learned this. We can't forgive others until we realize how much we have been forgiven by God. Preaching in 60 pounds is no joke. It's heavy. We can't forgive others until we realize how much we have been forgiven by God. See, we are the man. We are the man who gets forgiven everything by the king. And we walk straight out and choke someone else and say, give me what I deserve. Pay me back. And until we connect the fact that we've just been forgiven everything by God, we cannot truly forgive others. And so I'm going to ask you the question that essentially Jesus asked his followers that day, 2,000 years ago. How can we be forgiven everything by a perfect God and then hold sins against others? More specifically for you, who are you holding by the neck, demanding them to pay you back? Maybe you've never thought about it that before. Maybe you've never thought about it that way. But who are you holding by the neck? Be honest with yourself. Don't talk to your, don't talk to your friend. Don't, talk to, to, don't, don't text. Don't worry about anything else right now. I want you to ask yourself that question. Who are you holding by the neck? Demanding that they pay you back. How can we be offered forgiveness that God offered us? He didn't just say like, okay, guys, I forgive you. I guess he could have done that. No, he showed his forgiveness. The Bible, the Bible says he showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still disobeying, while we were still being mean, while we were still hurting God, he sent his son to die for us. Not just to, to die in his sleep, to be tortured to death, to be nailed to a cross, to pay the price of our debts. 
What did he get back? Nothing. Nothing. And what he asks us to do is go and do likewise. Go forgive like I've forgiven you. Go love like I have loved you. Who are you holding by the neck right now? You maybe don't even know it, but your hands are so clenched tightly around their neck. I can't believe they treated me like that in our relationship. I can't believe he or she dumped me. I can't believe they cheated on me. I can't believe so-and-so said this about me. I can't believe they got what I deserve. I can't believe my mom said that. I can't believe my dad said that. I can't believe we're not friends anymore. I can't believe they're hanging out with so-and-so. I can't believe what they did. And I'm not saying that's a small thing. Because remember, he was owed 10,000 silver coins, by, or 100 silver coins by the other guy. He was owed a substantial amount. But what Jesus was saying is, it's not saying that your stuff is small. It's saying that what God has done for you is so big. It's infinite. Before the service, when we were in, or before I got up here during worship, the Holy Spirit was just laying some things on my, on my heart about forgiveness. Maybe it's a grudge. Maybe you don't even think, oh, I, I, I don't need to forgive them for anything. They didn't do anything specific, but you're just holding a grudge. And I know it happens because I hear about it. I hear rumors about it. I hear you guys telling me about it. Well, so-and-so and me are not, we're not cool anymore, blah, 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 blah. And you're holding this grudge. What are you doing? You're holding them by the neck, demanding that they pay you back. You're not forgiving. Maybe it's just tension in a relationship, a family relationship, a friend, a dating relationship, whatever it is. Maybe it's just tension and you're holding on, demanding that they pay you back. Maybe it's that you're not willing to forgive yourself for something you've done in the past, for something you've said in the past, for something you did last night, for something you did last year. And you're not willing to forgive yourself. Yeah, I know what God says, but I can't let it go. And you're walking around with this burden. This is what you're walking around with constantly. And God's saying, it's time to drop it. It's time to drop the burden that you don't have to carry, that you don't have to walk around life with. It doesn't make you stronger. It's weakening you. It's making your life worse. And God says, Jesus says, release the person. Release your hands from around their neck. Remember what I have done for you. Remember how much I have forgiven you. Remember the burden I took off of your shoulders and let them go. Can I tell you, like one of the most powerful things ever was that night in Jamaica, 10 or 11, 12 years ago, when God gave me the power to forgive. And I know there's some junk in y'all's lives and in your families, and in your friends, and in your situation, and I'm not saying it's nothing, and I'm not saying it's small. And you may be right, and they may be wrong, but God says, forgive anyway. Let them go. Remember what I have done for you. So if you're a Jesus follower in this room, I wanna challenge you to be practical tonight. As we close in worship in a few minutes, I want you to get very practical. If the person's in the room, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna really bug you and you're not gonna wanna do it. If the person's in the room, go to them. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to have an hour long, uh, just like session about just like, oh, well, what did you do? What did I do? Who's right, who's wrong? Let it go. Go up to the person and say, I forgive you. Or say, maybe I'm sorry. Maybe you go pray together. 
Maybe you don't even have to say anything. Maybe you just give them a hug and they know and you know. That's all that matters. Maybe they're not in the room. Maybe you need to text them. And literally, I want you during this last, this last set of songs, I want you to pull out your phone and text the person and say, hey, can we meet tomorrow? Hey, can we talk after school? Hey, can we talk after work? Hey, hey can, we, can, we, can, we, can, we, can I call you after, after I get out of church? Can you get really practical tonight? Can you go home or, or maybe during this time, just grab one of the notes from, from in front of you, one of the empty pieces of paper and write a note to the person, put it in their locker, mail it to them. I don't, I don't know if y'all know how to mail something, but you could, you could send them something. Maybe you could take a picture of it and text it to them. I want you to get practical. Don't just say, oh, that's a good teaching, Ryan. No, do it. Release yourself and release them. And there's some people in this room, I know there's some people every week that come here and don't know Jesus. Yeah, you've heard about Jesus, but maybe you've never heard about this God, the God that said, you're forgiven for everything. What you're gonna do, what you did, what nobody knows about, what even your best friend doesn't know about, what you're gonna do when you're 73 and 2000 and whatever. Like, I know everything and I still forgive you. I release you from the debt. The Bible says that God did that when he sent his son to die on a cross and take the punishment for the sins that we have committed. The Bible says that in Christ, we are set free. In Christ, we are forgiveness. When we give our lives over to Christ, God looks at us and no longer sees our sins, no longer sees our debt, but he sees Jesus. And you can have that kind of forgiveness. And you may have said, I've done too much. I've messed up too many times. Maybe you're a Christian and you've fallen away and you say, well, then I'm too far away from God. I've messed up too many times. I haven't been here in forever. I haven't prayed in two years. Like I, I mean, I've done a lot wrong. And God's saying, come back. Come on. I forgive you in and through the sacrifice of Jesus. So I wanna give you the opportunity to pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, that he is the son of God, then you will be saved. So on the count of three, if that's you, if you wanna give your life over to Christ, if you wanna be changed for eternity, if you want your, your, your debt to be washed away, if you want to be changed and forgiven, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and pray a prayer with me. One, God loves you. Two, he will forgive you through Christ Jesus. Three, raise your hand. Raise your hand if that's you. Raise it high. Raise it high. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm yours. I know I've messed up. I know I need forgiveness. I believe you are the son of God, that you died for me and you rose again to heal me. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. In your name I pray, amen.